Welcome to Literary Quest, a podcast hosted by us, Vicki and Marissa, where we discuss our favorite and fantasy fiction and hopefully can direct you in your quest to find your next great read. Welcome to this week's episode of Literary Quest. We're going to be talking about A Dark Harmony by Laura Thalassa. As our previous two episodes, it's going to be an explicit episode. As a reminder, explicit episodes have discussions of sex as well as cursing. So if that's not your thing, you know, you might want to pick up with us next week or listen to some of our other episodes. I'm going to start today with our character descriptions because we meet a few char- new characters in this book. The first character that we meet is King Typhus Henbane. He is Lord of the Banished, Master of the Forgotten, Protector of the Maligned. He is the King of the Banished Land. He is described as being seated on a stone throne fitted with bone and steel. He is also wearing necklaces made of bleached bones and is described as being tan with plated chestnut hair and a crown made of metal and bones. And he rules over the Banished Lands, which is a place in the other world that is void of all magic. Criminal Fae, who have committed horrible crimes, get exiled there. We also get to go on a trip to the Day Kingdom and see the city of Avalon. There's lots of forest and jungle. Um, It's also described as having glittering pools and rippling creeks. The palace is located in the city of Avalon. And it's described as having a tower or a palace (laughs) that is a golden mountain rising above the jungle with a waterfall that cuts straight through it. However, the city itself is a ghost town. We're introduced to a new monster, uh, Reeves. um, They are they that are overseers of the pit. They're described as shadowy creatures that are long and spindly. We get to go to the kingdom of death and deep earth. In this book. It's full of gardens. There's a palace made of pale stone that has towers and spires that look like the bones of a monster. It also sits on the edge of an ocean. In order to get to the kingdom of death and deep earth, you have to descend into the pit, which is described as cold, silent like the grave, and having stagnant air. Once you finish descending into the pit, you land on bones, And as you're descending, there are living fae that will attack you and try to bite you and harm you. So that's it. That's really the only new creatures and characters and kingdoms that we see. Uh, Marissa, you want to go over the plot? Sure. So at the start of A Dark Harmony, we pick up with Callie and Des, who are back in their room in the Night Kingdom. Callie has recently been giving the lilac wine, which has made her fey and immortal now. And while she's pleased to be alive because of it, she is also angry with Des for deciding to give it to her and for not being allowed to choose to become immortal. This, of course, is exactly what the Thief of Souls had planned in our last book when he mortally wounded Callie. And unfortunately... Now that she is Faye, she is vulnerable to his magic, which she wasn't vulnerable to when she was human. The thief appears in her dreams and essentially tells her that the fun is only starting for her. Um, And in this dream, 
uh, which is taking place in the oak grove in the flora realm, the trees that house the sleeping soldiers start to pop open like a bloody wound, revealing the bloody sleeping soldiers only. Now they're awake. Callie awakes, awakens from this dream to her realm basically screaming. So the male sleeping soldiers aren't the only ones who've awoken. Callie and Des rush out of their chambers armed for battle and meet carnage within their castle. So the sleeping female soldiers are no longer asleep. They have woken and they are coming for blood, acting as killing machines, showing no mercy. Callie and Des cleave their way through the soldiers with Callie's siren lending her help with her fighting skills. The battle is tenuous at best against the female soldiers. They, they are presenting quite uh, an opponent. They're uh, making it very difficult <laughs> and decreasing the opportunity or the ability for Callie and Des to, uh, and the rest of the people in the Night Kingdom to overcome them. So things are pretty sketchy. However, an explosion causes damage to the portal within the Night Kingdom and reveals that uh, the female soldiers aren't their only problem streaming into the portal now are hordes of the sleeping male soldiers as well who are ready to destroy their kingdom and so at this point they are woefully outnumbered and Callie is panicking and in her panic she commands the soldiers to stop and it works so before when she was human her glamour her ability to compel people to do things didn't work on the fae but now that she is fae it actually does work and so uh, that's the only thing that saves them from annihilation. The sleeping soldiers are imprisoned and Callie and Des question one of them, but the answers they receive are very frustrating. And so the thief of, they find out that the thief of souls is the commander of the sleeping soldiers, but they don't have any leads on where to find them, find him. And the soldiers aren't giving that information away. They also find out that the flora and the fauna kingdoms were attacked as well and have fallen. The Day Kingdom was attacked, but was able to kind of hold their own. So knowing that Gallagher Nix, Des's dad, is working with the Thief of Souls, Callie and Des go to the Banished Lands, which is where Gallagher was entombed by Des to see if his tomb will offer any clues about the Thief's location. Upon arriving, they find that Gallagher's tomb is empty, which means that Gallagher was either too powerful or too evil for the earth to accept. Death lights a magical fire, which draws the attention of the residents of the banished land who are starved for magic and are attracted to any form of magic. Des and Callie are, founded by one of the, are found by one of the residents and are taken to see the king of the banished lands, Typhus Hinbane. Typhus is insulted by Dessa's lack of deference for his title as the king of the banished and attempts to have Dessa and Callie imprisoned and then harmed. And Callie uses her glamour to stop him to reveal what happened to Gallagher's body, which it turns out was removed from the tomb a few weeks ago. He also, she also compels Typhus to reveal that he is actually the true threat to the safety of the people in the banished lands. He's been forcing them to uh, bind their magic with him. So basically forcing them to share their magic. 
and he's been manipulating the banished into um, sharing this magic so that he could remain strong while they grew weaker. Callie gives him two days to return the power and essentially signs his death warrant because there's no way the banished are going to allow him to live now that they know the ways that he's been manipulating them and killing them if they don't do what he wants. Callie and Des return to the Night Kingdom and then go to the Day Kingdom to meet with Janus, the ruler, to discuss the attack by the sleeping soldiers. Callie reveals how she used her siren abilities to stop the show the soldiers and Janus goads her into a demonstration of her powers. And it turns out he doesn't really like having his will stolen away from him, even though he asked for it. Um, Callie realizes while she's there that the thief of souls is able to take the form of other people and that he was using the form of Janus's brother Julius to kidnap her in the first book. Callie later apologizes to Janus for using her glamour on him, even though he asked her to do it, as well as for accusing him of kidnapping her. And in response, he swears his fealty to her. Des and Callie return to the Night Kingdom, and they learn that Malachi and Temper have discovered where Gallagher has been hiding, and so they take off to try to find him and are actually ambushed by Gallagher on their way. Gallagher attempts to kill Callie several times, but Des wounds him and returns to the Night Kingdom with Callie. Sensing that she needs a break, Des takes Callie back to her home on Earth where they bond and they go through mementos from their adventures together and they have a lot of sex. And during one episode of um, Sexcapades, basically, Des proposes to Callie and she accepts and he gives her a ring made of starlight. The Thief of Souls continues to plague Callie's dreams, and when Des takes Callie to a seer, the thief manifests through the seer, threatening Callie. The seer also reads Des unwillingly and reveals that the darkness will betray him. Um, Callie asks Des to take her to Venice, which is where they went for one of their first adventures, and Callie finds an engagement ring for Des, and then they are married that night in the Night Kingdom at the Temple of Lyra, which is where Dessa's mother is buried, with Temper serving as the officiant. The thief stalks Callie in her dreams that night, and Malachi, who is the Lord of Dreams, also enters the dream, and he's able to hear Callie, but he's not able to get to her or to control the dream, which has never happened to him before. Callie begins to have several realizations about the Thief of Souls. So she realizes that Gallagher and the Thief are sharing power, which is why Dessa's magic is not effective against the Thief. That the Thief must be the king of, the de of death and deep earth kingdom, and that she will not be able to escape his stalking without a confrontation of some kind. The Thief reveals that Gallagher, in an attempt to avoid the prophecy's prediction of his downfall, woke him from his sleep with an offer to share his power to give him a realm and an army in exchange for his help. Gallagher is once again spotted and our friends head to Barbos where he's staying, diving into what is surely a trap. They find Gallagher within an underground cave where they engage in a battle against him and with the, the soldiers that he has accrued. Uh, Janus appears to lend a hand and the Thief of Souls also so shows up. And so Gallagher is hellbent on killing Callie, even though the thief has forbidden it. And it turns out this whole setup was a trap so that the thief could capture Des and keep him a prisoner to hurt Callie and to get her to submit to him. 
because Callie's definitely going to try to save her mate. So does the shadows betray him? They wrap him up in their essence and he disappears and is taken to the kingdom of death and deep earth. Gallagher is captured, but this doesn't really feel like a win because Des has been captured as well. Malachi and Janus have been put into a sleeping state by the thief. And so Callie and Temper return to the Night Kingdom, of which Callie is now the acting ruler. She closes herself up in her new chambers and falls apart. But leaders got to lead. So even though Callie is dying inside, she just she does her job. Mara, the queen of the flora, is alive and wishes to speak to Callie. So she reveals some of the context for why she chose to seek comfort from a harem because she became disgusted by her mate, the green man, approximately 10 years ago, which is when he was overtaken by the thief of souls. And so Mara is now dying and she encourages Callie to seek revenge, to kill the thief and to take back her mate. Callie forms a plan to regroup and rescue Desk, but short of dying, she doesn't know how to get to the thief's realm. So she compels Gallagher to tell her and he reveals that there is a pit in Memnos, the land of nightmares that will allow her to get there without dying. So she compels him to guide her there, which he does grudgingly. They descend into the pit, which leads them to the gardens of the kingdom of death and deep earth. Gallagher is furious with the thief for his refusal to kill Callie when he had the opportunity because they had a deal. The thief was to kill Callie. Um, and so Gallagher denounces the thief as an oath breaker for refusing to kill her. And the thief like does not care as if an oath would hold any sway for him. Gallagher continues to challenge the thief, which ends really poorly for him. Things are really strange in this kingdom and don't quite seem right. But Callie is able to find Des, unconscious but alive, and the thief makes it very clear to her that if she does not do as he wishes, Des will suffer and this will go on until he tires of Callie, which could be centuries. So at this point... We don't know, will Callie be able to free herself and Des from the thief's hold? Who is the thief really? If you would like to know, then you can read the book. Spoilers will abound from this point forward. So if you don't want to know what happens in the story, um, you want to read it first, then you might want to stop listening here. If you love spoilers like me and you want to know what's going to happen, keep listening. So I think... This, other than the 2.5 book that came out, I think this one might be my favorite in the series. Mm -hmm. Because I love seeing Callie come into her own in mm -hmm. this. She's finally, like, you finally get to see her full siren on display. Yeah. And it's like, finally. Yes. Normally, insecure Callie is super confident and is embracing the siren more than she was in the other books which I love. She's way more empowered in this book. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of that is Des's doing. Yeah. As well. So he, everything that he says to her, even when he's like joking, teasing with her is so sweet and uplifting. He's just a big old softy when it comes to Callie. So when Callie's in the dream with the thief, when they're in the Flora Kingdom, the imagery around the trees popping open is so disgusting to me. I almost gagged when I was reading it. I started thinking about like 
oozing sores. Like that was just the image that the, the descriptors evoked in my mind and it really bothered me. Do you not like Dr. Pimple Popper? I do like Dr. Pimple Popper. I enjoy those videos, but this was just, uh, I don't know. Maybe it was like, uh, because it was a person coming out of this oozing tree. I don't know. Makes sense. It bothered me a little bit. Ugh. I feel really bad for the sleeping soldiers. Yeah. So when, in the end, when the Thief of Souls is destroyed and his magic is, you know, broken or unleashed or whatever, it sounded like all of the sleeping soldiers were like, they went back to their normal, whoever they were before they were held captive by him and put into their trance under his hold. So uh, all of those people that they slaughtered, if they hadn't been killed after, I, I just feel bad for him. Yeah. I don't know. It's sort of the same thing with, um, Karnan, right? Yeah. So they're forced to do bad things under somebody else's thrall. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. So when Callie wakes up from this dream and the sleeping female soldiers are awake and there's all of this screaming and her and Des are fighting and she's like (laughs) still trying to hold her siren in. I was so frustrated with her. Like, let her go. Unleash her. What's what's the worst she could do? Callie's like, uh, I don't want to be okay with all of this death and killing and the bloodlust. I'm like, this is the time to be okay with that. Everybody's dying. Yeah. She seems so just like, she, like you said, she doesn't want to become like immune to what's going on around her mm-hmm. because her siren is really aggressive, I guess, and bloody and is like, will tear his heart out and bathe in his blood sort of thing. It's pretty intense. So I guess I could, I mean, I could see wanting to keep that kind of leashed when you're against people who haven't really done anything to you. Like, yeah, they're bad and they're attacking you, but at the same time, you know, I don't know. They haven't slighted you personally, I guess. Whereas with Gallagher and with the Thief of Souls, you know, they really hurt her. And so she's fine with hurting them back. Yeah. See, I don't agree. I think that this is the time to unleash the siren because the, I mean, I know that the sleeping soldiers haven't done anything to harm her, but they are also showing no mercy at this point. So if she doesn't, get in like get on with it they're gonna kill her yeah and Des even tells her that they won't like don't waste your mercy on them they certainly won't waste any on you mm-hmm. or something along those lines so she yeah. should have listened to him but I can understand being like oh I don't want to become okay with murdering people right but she's way more skilled as a fighter when her siren is doing the work for her yes so it's time to let go. Mm-hmm. Let her out to play. The She does manage to kind of let her siren out completely. Well, never completely, but she manages to glamour all of them into stopping. Yes. Which is good. That is great. That's the only thing that kept them from dying. Mm-hmm. I didn't think about that at all, to be honest with you. Yeah. That didn't cross my mind at all. I did. <laughs> not really bad for him oh 
didn't even cross my mind. Especially for the ones that died. They basically died for, I mean, you know, no reason. Except the kids. I don't, I don't feel bad about the uh, killing them kids. That's the, so the imagery of like creepy little evil vampire children <laughs> really bothers me. Kids kind of scare me a little bit when they're <laughs> like demonic children. That really bothers me. <laughs> it makes me laugh. I don't know why right so we talked about this last time where the hissing children and the Uh screaming children made me laugh and there's a descriptor in one of the battle scenes where it's the children are feasting on the dead fae and it made me laugh because I have a picture like these infants or these tiny children eating and covered in blood and there's something about that that's so absurd to me that it made me laugh it bothers me Let's talk about how if your mate dies, you die. Yeah. So I don't like that at all. Doesn't seem fair. It doesn't, especially in the situation where Dez is already like at least halfway through his lifespan mm-hmm. at this point, right? And he turns Cal, or, you know, Callie gets turned immortal. And so she's going to live half of her expected lifespan and then have to die because Dez is dead. I just, I know that, like, the bond between them is super strong and everything, but there's mm-hmm. still stuff to do. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and by that point, they'll have, you know, like, a hundred kids or whatever, so it wouldn't be, like, right? alone in this world. Yeah, exactly. I just, I don't think it's a great deal that you get if, you know, there's such a big age gap there. Yeah. I suppose if, you know, you're both, like, the same age, that'll work out pretty well then. Yeah. But He's like 300 years older than her at this point. I know. And don't they have maximum lifespan? Well, around a maximum lifespan of like 400 years? I don't know if they ever say what their maximum lifespan is. She says like, am I, I'm going to live to be 3000 years old. And he says, no, that's not, we don't live that long. But I don't know if he ever says like, this is how long we live. I would love to know that would have been a helpful detail, the normal fey lifespan in this world. There was, there's a part in the book, I don't remember if it's uh, when she's with the Thief of Souls or not, where she says, I've, I have a good 400 years of this, if not more. So it's at least like 400 years. It's at least 400 yeah. years, if not more. So. I wonder if Dessa's lifespan would be longer because he's like the ruler of the realm. And because he's attached to someone who's younger. Yeah. That's, yeah. How old is his father then at that point? His father must be super old, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So, I don't know. A time, like a, a range would be like helpful. Although, I think this is the, um, no, this is not the only book where immortal beings age. Because, in Court of Thorns and Roses, there's like an elderly Fae person, but mm. they are really old. And in the Fae Chronicles, writers like 2,000, 3,000 years old. So, but the one cool thing, I guess, about finding a mate in this book is that you can share some of the powers with your mate. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Cause yeah. Callie doesn't have like magic. It seems like magic, magic. She has her siren powers, mm-hmm. but she doesn't have 
magic the way Des has magic. Right. And she gets she can use some of his magic. Yeah. So that's pretty sweet. That's a good deal. It is a good deal. I'd like to see she doesn't ever mention this. I wonder if he can manipulate some of her magic since they do share a bond. We don't ever see that in this book. Oh. That'd be interesting if Siren does. Yeah. He would be so naughty. (laughs) (laughs) He would control everyone. Yeah. (laughs) It'd be like the first thing he does. Yes. Yeah. I do like when Callie uses her compulsion on him. He's like, this is very invasive, but I don't hate it. Like, (laughs) (laughs) maybe Des is, so Des is super dominant. Maybe he's into, maybe he's like a switch or something. There's that one scene, so he's walking her in, or carrying her into where he kind of buried his father, right? And he's not really buried, he's tossed him in a pit. Yeah. Sort of thing. And Callie's like, fine, but I want to, like, I want uh have a piggyback ride, right? And he says, oh, if you want to ride me from behind, it's not my favorite position, but I guess we can. And... <laughs> He it says that he was being sexual about it. Mm-hmm. So is he talking about pegging? That's the it I, sounds like it. Right? That's the way it reads. Right? So yeah. So Des seems pretty adventurous in the bedroom. I wonder how that works. It uh so are there like fairy sex shops? Can you buy like a, a fay dildo sort of thing? I mean, I imagine Des could just make one, like, out of magic. Oh, yeah, maybe he could just, ma- you know, they bring up him, like, fashioning dresses and crowns and stuff out of moonlight. So maybe there's, like, a a moonlight strap on. <laughs> Glimmers. <laughs> in the dark. <laughs> I guess when you're, <laughs> I guess when you're 300 or very, 300 years old or very long alive, you get a lot of time to explore, you know, all of your potential sexual interests. So maybe that's why all of these characters in so many of these books are so uh, kinky. I, I mean, yeah. not necessarily kinky. Very it's sexual. Very, yes. And pretty aggressive. Yeah. Sexual. Especially have... in Amelia Hutchins's books. Oh, yes. They are very sexual in Amelia Hutchins' books. Yeah. I mean, I guess, well, also there's not the judgment about, uh, uh, kink or anything like that in their realms that we have in, you know, our normal human realms where people are super judgmental of different people's kink and sexual preferences. So I imagine when you don't have those inhibiting forces, you you feel pretty free to explore. I think it, so I follow a lot of like sex educators, sex positive people on Instagram and one of the things, and I sex podcasters even, and one of them was like, um, it was a post about like women being shamed for touching themselves during sex, uh, <laughs> which just pissed me off. <laughs> so much of what I read pisses me off. People are so poorly educated about female pleasure. Um, mm-hmm. That stuff just sets me on fire. Don't shame people. Let women touch themselves. And not be shamed about it. That's I our mean, PSA this week. Siren Callie, I feel, is just kind of better than regular Callie. <laughs> she's she's a bit bloodthirsty, but she knows what she wants and how she wants to get it. And stuff. Mm-hmm. So she's 
a great backup for Callie, I guess, in general, too, when she's fighting or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. She lets her out. She's much more nimble and reacts quicker and all of that. And so she's very confident. Whereas regular Callie isn't still not quite sure of herself. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to see both of them if she could just meld them together mm-hmm. and just be a just be Callie with both of them right. combined. I'd like to see that. Yeah, more of a balance between mm-hmm. the two. It's almost like having dual personalities, but and that, that comes she up does, a lot in this series. Yeah, it does. Uh, she she makes that transition a little bit more towards the end of the book, but it takes like her mate being kidnapped and her thinking that he's going to die for her to fully commit to embracing her <laughs> siren, which yeah. is frustrating. We don't even see her full siren until almost the, that very end part where she's talking to Gallagher and interrogating him. Mm-hmm. And she just completely sheds and unleashes her siren and she's beautiful and glowing and everyone like starts walking towards her because they're drawn in Mm -hmm. we haven't seen that at all and we're like I don't know what that is like 70% into the last book before Mm -hmm. we really get to see her completely unleash her siren yeah so but we got there yes it took us the whole series but we got there (laughs) and then I love how again she brings the siren in to lure the thief to his death I love that. That was so clever. I love too that it goes back to her being a siren though, that she drowns him mm-hmm. in an ocean. Yes. In an, well, it's the yeah, pool. It's, it's a pool. Yeah. Water though. But still, it's water. Yeah. So <laughs> she, she really, <laughs> she really harnesses that siren. Yes. Yeah. Siren. We get the, we get the water and everything, which is so several times in the series, she's brought up like thinking about her origins, thinking about the sirens of old, how they would draw sailors in to the ocean, lure them to her deaths. And so it's nice after bringing that up several times in the series for her to make that actual connection and use water to destroy her nemesis. Mm-hmm. The imagery of that is really great too, because in it so she lures him in and commands him to drown which yes girl and then the so the spirits uh that are in the pool that haven't been allowed to pass on and have been tortured for hundreds of years i like how they surround him and then they start forcing themselves into his mouth Mm -hmm. i think that's such a good representation for uh the violation of his body which is what he's been doing to people for the last 10 years, violating thousands and thousands of people. He is finally getting to experience some of that too. Mm-hmm. It's a great, ugh, it was a good little form of payback right there. It was. Although even then, so how did she describe his eyes? Just like he had a bit of alarm in his eyes or something. He, he looks great. Even... He looked betrayed. Like she had the, the, the nerve or I, I guess it's, uh, <laughs> I don't know if there's a name for it. It's so he's been stalking her for this entire series. And it was almost like he thought she had, he had won her over. Mm -hmm. And then she, he had this look of betrayal when she lured him to his death. Shock and betrayal, I think is how she describes it. Yeah. 
So here's the thing. When she asks, like, why her? And he goes, well, you awoke me. You aroused me. And I was just like, that's your problem to deal with. Yeah. (laughs) That is not Uh. her problem. Get yourself under control. Mm -hmm. (sighs) And then that whole, you know, he then stalks her and is. (sighs) Yeah. Do you get like (sighs) Zeus vibes a little bit? Yeah. I get just that really like kind of nice guy vibe in yeah. general, you know, where it's it's all, yes. oh, well, I did this one nice thing for you. Why aren't yes. you having sex with me? Yes. Yeah. Not just that, but like the stories that you hear about people who experience being stalked by either their, not even their ex, but by like someone that they don't even really know, like a stranger. They just happen to catch someone's attention and that person felt like they suddenly had ownership over them. It bothered me. So, like reading this the second time, I really noticed that more. And it started to bother me a lot because, and Callie experiences this, experiences this a lot just because of her nature as a siren. People are automatically attracted to her. But this thief really takes it to another level. And it, it really bothered me. It is kind of like the nice guy. I did something nice for you. Why aren't you? But she never did anything nice for the thief. <laughs> yeah. He's just been a dick the whole time. <laughs> but now he wants to have sex with her. Um, he kidnapped her. Well, you know, maybe his whole thing was, well, I didn't kill Des, so <laughs> you owe me. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Although he does allude to things like you she says something about her enjoyment not mattering to him. And he's like, well, you better hope it does. Yeah. Cause we're going to do this for 200 years. Yeah. I do love when Gallagher is pissed at him because the thief agreed to kill Callie and Gallagher's like, you're an oath breaker. And the thief is like, did you really think an oath was going to keep me like for do like was going to make me do anything and Gallagher's like but you said and the thief is like are you joking (laughs) and then he kills him so brutally too he just (laughs) tired of you (laughs) Gallagher come on yeah that whole thing is pretty funny especially because Des when he's talking to Gallagher before all of this Des is like what makes you think that the thief is actually going to do anything that he's told you he's going to do? And uh, Gallagher's like, well, I gave him an army and I made him promise. Like, come on. E5. But Des also made him promise that he would never kill mm-hmm. them. So, I mean, Des kind of did the same thing, right? Yeah, but Des was planning. Yes. So he was, I, scheming. he was scheming and it worked out it really well. Yeah, Des was scheming. He had a like a it was like a subplot. Gallagher was just being naive, which you think he would know better because he's like a billion years old. But people never learn. Never make That's it. You never make a deal with a fae. Yeah, and being fae, they should know that. But they whatever. should know that. They do it anyway. They do it anyway because they're cocky because they've been alive mm-hmm. forever. So as much as I love Callie and I love her in this book, she also did so much stuff that annoyed crap out of me. Yeah. It took her forever to realize things. It did. She should be better. She's a PI. It's just her whole, oh, he can take the faces of the dead. It's like, Callie, 
I thought this was figured out like two bo- like a book and a half ago. He literally said he could. Like, <laughs> you know, and then I love that she says it with um, Janus and Des right there when they're visiting the Dave Kingdom. Yeah. And, and she's like, they didn't look at me shocked or anything. Mm-hmm. Come on, this had to be something. And I was like, they probably figured it out. Like, yeah. Months ago, Callie. <laughs> And I like how the thief is like insulting her about it too. So he's like, you're not very good at puzzles. <laughs> I put that as one of my favorite quotes for this book. What is it? Hold on. Let me find it. What it was exactly. Um, you may have your wilds enchantress, but you are not one for puzzles. <laughs> Truth. She so really true. is not. And then at some point he tells her, he says, oh, Des has figured out so much more than you have. And then she doesn't follow up with Des about that. Yeah. Callie, come on. That would be one of the first things I do. I'd wake up and be like, hey, what the hell does that mean? Yeah. Yeah, Talk to me. What do you know? (laughs) When she figures out they share power, it's like, I mean, come on. How else did you think this was working? Yeah. Although Des supposedly looked surprised by that too, but he already knew that. Yeah, he was scheming. He was. Scheming, scheming. Well, it's because the shadows. Right. Right. He couldn't reveal anything because the shadows were listening so they could betray him. Mm -hmm. So in this third book, the, the level of sex is way more than in the other books. And I would love to have seen the other books have the same degree of sexual activity as this one. <laughs> I know. So in the second book, he says something along the lines of, oh, you think I'm scared of like missing an opportunity to have sex with you? Mm-hmm. Well, not, right? Which I thought was really, that was cute. But then in this book, they really make up for all of that by just having sex everywhere, all the yep. time. All the time. <laughs> no God, opportunity man. missed. Nope. Not a single one missed. No. Yeah, so they do have a really sweet scene. It's after the battle. Um, Des is like washing the blood off of Callie's hand. She's having this little emotional breakdown from, you know, killing people. And he starts humming this song to her, which he's done in the past when she's feeling sad or vulnerable. And it brings her comfort. And so she finally asks him, like, what is the song that you hum to me? And he tells her that it's a song that his mom used to hum to him when he was younger. Super sweet. But it's about a guy who lost the love of his life. And he longs for sleep so that they can be reunited in their dreams. And Callie's like, well, that's really fucking sad. Like that response is gold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she thought it was this really sweet thing, and it turns out it's super depressing. <laughs> I love Cal. We've talked a little about this before, but Callie's very realistic responses to things. Mm-hmm. So earlier in the book, she's fighting uh, one of the female sleeping warriors, right? Mm-hmm. Now that she's awoken, and she stabs her. And the warrior just pulls it out and she goes, oh no, that's too hardcore for me. (laughs) (laughs) She just has some very, like her reactions. Her reactions are great. Yeah. 
when Callie and Des go to the Banished Lands, they end up having sex in the dirt. And at some point, Des flips her over, so she's basically on her stomach, right? And she talks about how she can feel the dirt and the ground chafing her knees and her breasts. And I'm, that sounds so uncomfortable. And it sounds like you're going to end up with abrasions, you know, like kind of like a road rash sort of thing on your boobs. It just. <laughs> yeah. Fortunately, if that's the case, she heals really fast now because she's Faye. But you just get so dirty. Mm-hmm. Sex in the dirt, in the desert, in the sand. Ooh, oh. creepy. I didn't like, even really think of the sand. Yeah. And there's no excuse for it. It didn't have to be just, Des can just magically whip up anything. He could have used their clothing. He could have just whipped up a shirt yeah. or a blanket. But no, nope, that's not what he does. Hardcore here. Mm-hmm. Sex in the dirt. Yeah. Does not appeal. No. Would not try. Des and Callie take a trip, a little vacation in the middle of everything while Temper and Malachi are looking for Gallagher. Mm-hmm. They hop over to Earth real quick, have a whole bunch of sex, mm-hmm. and Des proposes to her. Mid-penetration. Yeah. <laughs> and he has a ring and everything, so he's clearly been planning this. This wasn't just a, oh, you marry me thing, you know? Yeah. But poor desk, because she starts shaking her head as a no, mm-hmm. and yep. it says his eyes are dying. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, God, Des. Poor Des. But then Callie, thank God, says yes, and he gets so happy, and it's really sweet. What do you but think about mid-penetration proposals? I think it's weird, and I would be very uncomfortable. I would, I, I would say are you just proposing to me because you're inside of me and do you think I have a great vagina? Like, <laughs> what is this? Are you what just caught up in the this? moment? Yes. But he had a ring. Yeah. Oh, he did have a ring. Yeah. It had been a plan. I guess he had just decided at that moment was this the right moment. Right. How are, what is your opinion on mid-penetration proposals? I... Mm, I think it worked. I work. It worked in this story because they're both, you know, such sexual creatures. And this is like, they're both like, that's just part of their personalities at this point. I personally would be bothered by a mid, I think, I don't know for sure. I think I would be bothered by a mid penetration proposal. I guess it depends on how into it you are. Yeah. That would take me right out of the moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, well, there's no way I'm going to climax now. <laughs> After he proposes to Callie, at some point she asks him to take her to Venice. So he takes her off to Venice. She tells him to go away for an hour. And she goes into a shop and buys a ring, a wedding band for him that reminds her of the sea. So she got one that looks like the night sky. So she wants to give him one that reminds her of the sea. And she puts an engraving on it. And it's one of them, their whole until darkness dies thing, right? Mm -hmm. And Des feels her pull on on his magic. So he shows up and is like, what's wrong? And then he sees the ring. And I love the description for it. He looks at it like Gollum looking at the one ring to rule them all. 
Yeah. And I love that. <laughs> I don't know why. And then he's like, his wings flare out. It's one of, it's another one of those scenes where he's just super emotional and kind of vulnerable. And it's like, yes, yes. it's so sweet. Jess is mm-hmm. such a sweetie. He is. And one other reason that I like that scene is because Callie is not great at sweet. No. <laughs> I guess. He actually, he nicknames, nicknames her like Callie the moment killer or something, right? Mm-hmm. And she finally has this moment where she's being really sweet to him and doesn't really ruin it. I don't see too many moments of Callie being really sweet to death. No, or vulnerable. I, I'm sure I think she struggles with being vulnerable herself. Does really, you know, in the beginning of the series, he's all about his secrets. He doesn't want to share things. And we see a really big change in his character from being closed off, not wanting to share his secrets to being sweet. I mean, and he was sweet before, but being willing to to share things with her without having to give something up or ask for a deal. Um, He offers things a lot more freely. And it just the things that he says to her are so just loving and he says cherub you are every wish of mine he says you are so blindingly extraordinary that it physically hurts me sometimes and i will never stop pushing you to believe this he says so many sweet things to her and that's he was sweet in the first book and in the second book but he's just become a lot more comfortable with being open and vulnerable with her by the time we get to the third book and i love that transition for him mm-hmm I mean, he doesn't tell her all the secrets about the Thief of Souls, but I guess we'll just pretend that didn't happen. He can't. <laughs> I know. He can't kidding. tell her. The shadows <laughs> will tell the thief. He's planning things. So, and there is one scene after the battle. Mm-hmm. I think it, or it's, no, it's after they get ambushed by Gallagher. Um, and Callie almost, like, he tries to kill Callie a bunch of times. Des is like, he saves a day. He whisks them back to their rooms. And Des is like, I need to be inside you right now. And Callie's like, okay. Yes. And then it's like, immediate penetration. Like, <laughs> ah, there's no buildup here. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yes. This is aggressive. <laughs> Even in the 2.5 book, I don't like you calling it 2.5. I'm just an emperor of the evening stars. Mm-hmm. book the one from Des's point of view you don't really see much of his face side in that either no he's just Des I think part of the reason he keeps such control on it because of who his dad was oh when they go to the banished kingdom right mm-hmm. or banished lands whatever it's called and she uh, they meet King Typhus and she glamours them Mm-hmm. all the fae down there and des starts arranging them in inappropriate situations like yeah. in, inappropriate positions while she uh-huh. gets information out of king typhus i love that especially because he says something like, i really shouldn't be letting you do this <laughs> and then rearranges these yeah. fae that are just frozen in place mm-hmm. i think that's great so childish so funny mm-hmm yeah even with so much on his shoulders and having all these problems to deal with, he still has moments. He's very good at balancing his work life, his work and life. Yeah. I feel like. So Typhus is a really unfortunate first name. <laughs> it is. Yeah. I mean, 
guy is already kind of terrible, but his name is Typhus. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Hmm. Well, maybe that's why he's so... I-, I wish they went into why he had been banished there. Because Yeah, I do too. Yeah, because he was clearly powerful, mm-hmm. right? Plus he was able to get all the power from the other uh, fae that had come down there. Right. And like, what did you do? They don't yeah. go into that at all, why these fairmen, I guess, because they have dungeons and mm-hmm. obviously they have a prison system. Yeah. I really love their trip to the gate, day kingdom. It's just great. So the way uh, when they're walking there, right, Des provokes her to use her glamour and everything. So they've got this really cute banter and they're walking through these really pretty woods. I just love everything. So, although I think my favorite part is when she drinks the, it's basically truth serum, mm-hmm. and she just starts talking and saying all of her thoughts, mm-hmm. and how Des and um, Janus, just at the end of the meal or at the end of the meeting, they look like they're trying not to laugh, and Callie's like, what? And then yeah. they finally reveal to her, well... We've been able to hear everything you've been thinking for the past, like, hour. Yeah. That would be a nightmare for your internal dialogue to become external. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that, that would be one of the worst things that could happen to me, I think. <laughs> I think some really awful things. Yeah. (laughs) That's horrifying. And the whole time she's like, or after she realizes it, she's like, why didn't you say anything to me? (laughs) (laughs) Right? Because it's funny. Like, okay. (laughs) No sex for you. (laughs) She has sex with him like two minutes later. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. 100%. (laughs) There is that really sweet moment. Also, when he tells her that he'll be there when the last of her mortal friends takes their last breath or something like that. They have a cute, sweet moment together. Because that's going to be something that you don't really think about when you first become immortal. Mm -hmm. All your mortal friends are going to die. You're going to have to watch them age and die. Look, she only has one. Yeah, it's just temper. Maybe Malachi will give her the lilac wine and she'll live forever. Yeah. Maybe. So... But it was, it's a sweet thought, at the very least. Sweet. It's a sweet thought. And then at the end of their, uh, I guess, I don't know, time in the Day Kingdom, uh, Janus swears his fealty to her, mm-hmm. which is really sweet as yeah. well. And then obviously we know what happens with that. That comes up yeah. later on when they're fighting Gallagher. Mm-hmm. He shows yeah. up. I like that, especially because it's such a rocky beginning where she thought that he kidnapped her. Yeah, and Des just wails on him. I like that she apologizes to him for, you know, mm-hmm. making a mistake for misidentifying him as her kidnapper. I mean, what else was she was supposed was she supposed to think? But um, that that kind of brings a truce to their relationship or their little tenuous friendship. So, mm-hmm. I think it's funny. So. The Des's wings are popping out all the time. At one point, he says, Callie, you have no idea how much effort I put into keeping my wings hidden from you. <laughs> and I think that's hysterical. It makes me think of, like, inconvenient boners. <laughs> yes, that's right. 
just subtly shifting <laughs> to hide it. Yeah. I think that's really funny. They just kind of pop out. Because he, what is it that he says exactly? Something's like, I either want to fuck you or I want to like fuck somebody up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. He does say that. I, there was one scene in the the first battle scene where it's like, Des takes off to the front of the castle and Callie runs. I'm like, why are you running? You have wings. <laughs> I, that's isn't right. it faster? I would never run if I had wings. I would probably be in the air constantly, especially if there was a battle going on. Although, again, I'm a coward, so I would just be like, oh, that looks like that kind of sucks. I'm going to... I'm going to fly away from this situation. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see what's happening at the Day Kingdom. Mm-hmm. In oh, so many of the books that we read about Fae and humans, they are always underestimating the humans. And then we get to this scene where Gallagher is trying to kill Callie, and there's Temper and Dez and Malachi and Janus is there as well. And it ends up coming down to Temper and Callie versus Gallagher and all the kids and the soldiers and stuff. And they kick their asses. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's like, bye. They them off and leave. I mean, they capture Gallagher. And it's a huge insult to Gallagher. And Callie even says this later on that um not only was he captured and like defeated by slaves on top of that they were women so it's like a dual like to add insult to injury sort of thing for him yeah so i I like that we saw that yeah and this and we see it well i don't know when she needs to take down the thief of souls she relies mainly on her superpowers her siren powers so and then des shows up and but still, he's underestimating her that whole time when she's trying to take him down. He's like, I've got like these other things in place. And then, so it is a team effort with Des. He's like, the shadows are going to betray you. Mm-hmm. Or the shadows betray the thief because he was rude to them and hateful. And then Callie's like, come to me, get in the water. And now I want you to drown. Mm-hmm. So it was, I mean, there was some teamwork there, but still. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that he drowned, or she drowned him. Yeah. I, I love that. Yeah. That was a really clever ending for him. It was. Especially because he had said, oh, I'm warded against, you know, like, or I put in place restrictions about you trying to harm me or something. But Yeah. She got around it. Uh-huh. Not as clever as he thinks. Well, he's really cocky too. So he took some of the words off because it, he says, in some worlds, I'm susceptible to magic and some worlds I'm not. So he took he, really cocky Faye again. He took the words off. He's like, I really want to experience this enchantress thing. Cause I don't think that you're, <laughs> I don't think it's going to bother me that much. Okay. How did that work out? <laughs> Not well. How does it feel to be dead? (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's do our quotable quotes. I have two. My first one is, some people never regret their choices, only where their choices land them. Callie thinks this when King Typhus apologizes to all the fae he is tricked. And I like this because it pulls on the whole idea that people are not necessarily regretful of their actions, but more that they got caught, which is 
what I think she's trying to articulate here mm -hmm. and exactly what's happening with King Typhus because he's not he's just mad and upset that he got caught and is now being punished mm -hmm. versus actually upset at what he did because he would have kept doing it otherwise right the second quote I have is well 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 there's my best friend did you have fun boning Bat Boy while the rest of us were actually saving the other world? Temper says this to Callie when she comes back from Earth. And while she's joking, there's some truth to this. Because Temper and Malachi tracked down Gallagher for Callie and Dez while they were on Earth, you know, getting, uh, having a whole bunch of sex and getting proposed to and all that. Taking body shots. That's right. Taking body shots. Forgot about that. Yep. Partying away and they're doing all the grunt work. Trying to find Des's dad. I think this might be one of the only book series we've read where that's happened. Where the main characters pretty much let somebody else take the lead on that sort of stuff. Yeah. I mean, you talked about Des's, you know, work-life, fun-life balance, though. So he's delegated this to someone and... Callie was a bit like on the edge of losing it. So he, he very thoughtfully took her. Mm -hmm. And it's his right and her right, I guess as king and queen to delegate tasks. That's right. As they see fit. Mm -hmm. I guess it speaks to the trust that they have for Temper and Malachi. Yeah. That's a way to look at it. I like also temper and callie make gallagher call them by really ridiculous yeah <laughs> long titles <laughs> yes it was so funny so that's one of my favorite things is that they make him refer to himself as gallagher o'malliger king of asshats killers of boners wannabe <laughs> emperor who needs to eat a bag of dicks and die like <laughs> yes. oh and he's so mad about it he is he's really He's very salty about having his will taken away by a slave. Mm -hmm. Female slave on top Female of it. Slave. Do you have any closing thoughts on this book? Just that I really liked seeing Callie come into her own mm -hmm. in this. By the end of the book, she was such a badass character. I mean, by the end of the series, I guess now she's just such a badass character. You can take care of herself. She's ready to be queen, mm -hmm. you know, and... I hope she's happy. <laughs> yeah. I hope she has a long, long, happy life. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Isn't it was cut a... short by the death of her mate. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. It was a good happy ending. It was a good happy ending. I really liked this series. Mm -hmm. uh, Laura Thalassa, is, she writes fantastic books. Her other series that we read, the Four Horsemen series, is fantastic. I would love to see... A Temper and Malachi book come out of this series. Me too. I would love to read a book from Temper's point of view. Oh my gosh. That would be great. She would say bitch so many times. <laughs> <laughs> Join us next week. We'll be covering The Red Queen, the first book in this series by Victoria Aveyard. We're very excited about it and we hope that you join us for it. Thank you for listening to Literary Quest. We hope you enjoyed our episode. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we can be found at Literary Quest Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. 
You're also welcome to share your thoughts and ideas with us via email at literaryquestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again.